okay? All right, you right, y'all ready? Y'all, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Run the hotel, being the man right there, Brad, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing? Okay, anyway, so I ain't staying in the hotel. Anyway, all right, if you got your Bibles, go real quick to uh, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. If you, if you don't have a Bible, you can look on with a neighbor, uh, unless you have it memorized, and you can quote it out loud, either one. Uh, just, just by way of reminder, I've been with you a few days, but my name's Paul. My wife's name is Natalie. She's right there in the back. Whoop, whoop. She's the bling of the king, my heavenly honey bun, sanctified sweetheart, my Bible-believing baby. Come on now. Anyway, all right. Uh, if you got your Bibles, go to Luke 15, starting at verse 11. And while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you all a story, not a little family time tonight. You ready? So here we go. Now, most of y'all know I'm from Mississippi originally, living in Columbia, South Carolina now, but I'm from Mississippi originally. So the way it was set up is my, my wife and I and our kids lived here, my parents lived right here, and my brother and his kids lived over there. So one day about, I'm going to guess six or seven years ago, so not really, not really a long time ago. It's so about six or seven years ago on the property in Mississippi. We're still living there. And I go to my dad. I said, hey, Dad, can I, can I borrow your tractor? Because I want to bush hog something. Y'all know what bush hogging is? Y'all from the South. Y'all know what bush hogging is? If you don't know what bush hogging is, you get you a tractor with a big old thing on the back of it, and you just mow some stuff down. I mean, just, just mow some. Why? I don't know. You just do, right? It's just fun. So I go, you know what I'm talking about? I go to my dad, and I say, hey, Dad, can I borrow your, your tractor? He's like, a little Kubota. I said, can I, can I borrow that to do some bush hogging on, the pro- on my property? My dad looks at me about six years, six, seven years ago. He goes, uh, yes, Paul, you can do that. But I want, you to, uh, I want you to be careful on this side over here, your property, so we don't know what's over there. We don't know what might be there and that kind of stuff. Now, I know. I'm going to go ahead and apologize. I'm just going to be transparent and be honest with you. Listen, I didn't say it out loud. I'm in the South. Okay, I was respectful. But my dad told me what, that I, I should not go over here with that tractor and we don't know what's over there. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want to do. Okay? I, then I said, yes, sir. Okay, whatever you said. So, uh, so I get over there, and I'm on that tractor going that run around. You know, I'm going one round. Oh, I'm having a blast, y'all. I ain't going to lie with you. Having a blast. You're a bush hog. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you better get on somebody's tractor and go. And you go on that second round. I'm going around. Oh, I'm just having a blast. I mean, I had a little time with Jesus. I mean, it's good. And that third round comes around. And right over here is where my daddy told me not to go. He said, don't go over there. We don't know what's over there. And I don't know if y'all have ever had this. You probably have. Y'all are probably a little holier than I am. But I, I had that cartoon dilemma, you know what I'm talking about, where you had that angel over here on that right shoulder. You know what I'm talking about, Gideon? You know what I'm talking about. An angel over my right shoulder going, Paul, thou probably shouldest obeyest thou fathereth. You know? And then over here on this right side over here, I had that, I had that little, little demon over here going, ha, 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 do it. Okay? So I did probably what most of y'all would do. I listened to that guy right there, okay? Because I said, I'm going to do my thing my way. Right? I'm doing my thing. I'm a grown man. I can do what I want to do. I'm doing my thing my way and ignore my daddy. So I went to that third lap over here. My daddy told me not to go. Did my thing my way, Brad. And it was, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know what's coming. All of a sudden, and I am not lying to y'all. I'm not lying to y'all. I hit that spot where dad said, don't go. Did my thing my way. And I promise you, that tractor went, and it sunk. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. I mean, like, to another country sunk. You got what I'm saying? I mean, it was down, okay? So, and there's stickers and briars, like, all surrounding me. Thankfully, I didn't get cut. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, and that tractor sink, and I went, oh, no. I said, my daddy is going to eat me alive, right? I said, that's cannibalism frowned upon in most societies. But anyway, so I thought about it. I was sitting there, and, I, and the tractor stuck, and I went, well, look, I made a 49 on my ACT. I know what's going on. I can do this, right? I know what I'm talking about. Y'all even haven't had the ACT yet? Okay, so y'all might have made a 49 too. But anyway, so, so I was in there, 
And I said, so I know what I'm doing. I'm a grown man. I can do this. So I got some, I got some metal bars and some boards in there and some small puppies, and I put them up under the tire of the tractor and tried to get that tractor unstuck. Tried four-wheel drive trucks, changed everything I knew how to do for two to three hours. Two to three hours. No lie. True story. I tried to get that tractor unstuck to fix my mess, and guess what happened? The, the harder that I tried to get my mess, that tractor unstuck, guess what happened? I'm not sure what you said, but I think you got it. It's the, the stucker that it got, okay, right? So, I mean, went down deep. Y'all, by this time, there's stuff bubbling up underneath the tractor. I mean, it's sunk down. You can't even see it. There's stuff bubbling up in there. It looked like a pot of evolution. I said, is that Charles Darwin down there? I mean, it is awful. I, no lie. I mean, it is awful. So after two to three hours, I get up on this hill right here. My parents' house is right there, and I sit there. That tractor, what's, <laughs> what, what you can see of it. Is, is sitting right in front of me. My mistake, my thing, my way, sitting right there in front of me. I see my daddy just got home. Thankfully, he didn't see me. But I'm sitting there, and I sit down on that hill between my dad's, my father's house and then the, the tractor right in front of me. And I, and I had to, I had to, like, I, 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 this is going to sound really weird. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. Every wave of emotion hit me in that moment at, at, when I'm sitting there. All right? I mean, I started getting angry at my dad. I started going, why, just to myself, right? I started going, why in the world would my dad, I'm like I'm talking to him, like, dad, why in the world would you let me borrow your tractor? This is not the first time that I've taken your stuff and I've ruined it. I said, you, you told me not to get in your work car a long time ago. You told me not to get in your work car and, and, and stay out of it. And I got in your work car and I ran into the house when I was 18. You got what I'm saying? Like, I, it's, it's not, I used the same tractor to destroy his water system. I'm sitting there, why would you let me borrow something? Well, then it changed for me being mad at my dad. I don't know if y'all do this, but being mad at myself. I started beating myself up pretty, pretty easy. I don't know if y'all do that to you. But I started beating myself up. I started going, you are so stupid. And you can't always do this. This is why you flunk. This is why nobody thinks you're smart. I'm just, I'm just chawing at myself the whole time. Right? I'm just doing that. And then I started feeling really like, like a lot of shame washed over me. And I felt really lonely and <laughs> a little bit lost, if I'm honest with you. Because, you see, it wasn't really about that tractor. That tractor just represented my life and my situation and my circumstances in that moment, my consequences that I was sitting in, right? See, I wasn't just dirty. I mean, I was caked from head to toe. I wasn't just dirty on the outside. I felt dirty and dead on the inside. You ever felt that way before? You know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm sitting there, and I realized in that moment, six, seven years ago, that I had a decision to make, that it was time for a decision. Do I stay and do I try to fix my mess and act like it never happened? I could clean it up really good. I could try to get it out, but I'd already tried everything I possibly, I mean, humanly possible knew how to do, and I just made it worse. Or do I humble myself, get up, and go to my father? When you look in your Bibles at Luke 15, we got a very similar situation, okay? We got two sons. Now, ladies, it's for you too. Don't worry. Just because it's two dudes is what Jesus tells the story. It's for all of us, right? It doesn't matter who you are. We got two sons, and if I can say it this way, because of their own decisions, they got their, uh, how do I say it? They got their own tractor stuck, if I can say it that way. They got their own life stuck, but it just looked differently, okay? So there's two sons right here. Now, when we go to Luke 15, starting at verse 11, I'm going to say this up front. Some of y'all in here, have heard this passage, maybe even messages on this passage, a thousand times. I hope, I hope, you read this passage a thousand more. 
For some of y'all, it's brand new. It's like the first, maybe the first time you've ever heard it. So here's what I want. When we lean in tonight together as a family in our family time in the Word, right? When we lean in tonight, here's what I want us to ask. Ask, what is this teaching me about the nature and the character of God? What does it teach me about Him? What's God showing me about Him? And two, where are you? Who do you relate to in this story tonight? Okay, y'all ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. All right, let's read it. Start at verse 11. Oh, I'm so excited about this. And Jesus says, and Jesus talking, there was a man who had how many sons? Two sons. Anybody say that different language? Oh, okay. That's good. All right. To the nations, we said. All right. And it said two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, uh, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. That's got to be a hot country. I have a feeling that's probably Indian Springs in Georgia, but just saying. Anyway, so it took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered, he blew it, he squandered his property in reckless living or wild, crazy living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine, no food, arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. All right, y'all ready? So here it is. Okay, here it is. You got a guy that comes up. I think, now remember, you want to try to read the Bible as much as you can with all the five senses, right? I think when he's there, this son, I don't know how old he is. All right, it's a dude, but it could be any of us. I think he takes his hand like this, like I'm doing like this. I think he takes his hand, sticks it in his daddy's chest, and he goes, die, give me. <laughs> well, it's not that funny. But anyway, so but I think, I, th- what I, think he I think he took his hand in the chest and he goes, hey, die, give me. Because here's why. It'd be like this. It'd be like Levi, my oldest son, coming up to me a little bit nervous. It'd be like Levi coming up to me. And going, uh, hey, Dad, how you doing? Dad? Oh, I'm good, son. How you doing? Uh, 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 good. Um, uh, could, I have a question. Yes, yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead, son. Uh, just, you know, go ahead. Do it. Spit it out. He goes, um, could, could maybe um, you die today? Huh? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, because here's the problem with Levi. Levi thinks he's getting something when I die. That's why I named him Levi. May the Lord be your inheritance. You got what I'm saying? So, like, trust Jesus. Anyway, so may, may the Lord ever be in your favor. Whatever. You got what I'm saying. So, but, but this boy, he wants his dad to die. He wants his dad to give him what's coming to him when his dad passes away. Now, here's what that looks like. It's putting your hand out, putting his chest and going, die, give me. He wants it. Now, why does he want that? Couldn't tell you. I don't know why he's doing this. Maybe he's the youngest child. I mean, he is the youngest child, but maybe he's, you know, that youngest child, maybe it's entitlement. Maybe he's tired of all the rules, anybody? Maybe he's tired of all the rules. Maybe he thinks life outside of his dad's house is better. Anybody been there? Anybody think, well, if I just get out, I can't wait to get out of the house, it's going to be better, right? Maybe he thinks that way. I don't know. But whatever the reason is, he took everything that was his coming when his daddy died. No more rules, no more this, the life he always wanted, the life he always dreamed of, the life he thought might be being uh, hid from him being in his father's house. And then he takes a journey into the far country, the far country. Now, here's what the far country is, okay? Y'all ready? (laughs) This is going to be good. The far country is what I call Sin City. In the far country, whoo, feeling chills here, in the far country, It's all about you. It's all about me in the far country, right? In the far country, you can take your father's stuff. You can take your father's stuff. You can take your father's stuff, and you can create a me-catered and a me-centered world in this far country and all that it represents. In the far country, you can have the life that you always dreamed of. It's my life. It's my stuff. It's my body, right? 
I can do what I want to do in the far country. I can create this, this whole new world. I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do, marry who I want to marry, date what I, who I want to date, look at what I want to look at. It's your world. Uh, uh. Do what you want to do. Uh, uh. Somebody says, I smell talent show. But anyway, so said no one ever. But, but in the far country, you can do that. In the, and, and in this place where this boy goes, he literally can be popular. He can create an image and an identity that he wants, that he wants anybody to see at any given time. He can do that, right? It's like the like in the heart and the selfie. Look at me. Look at me. That's what this is. It's the far country and all that it represents. And, and, and in this place and all that it represents, it's all about pleasure. Oh, my goodness. It is pleasure-seeking. In this place, in, in this place, in the far country, it's all about pleasure. What you and I, what, what you feel makes it real, what you like makes it right in the far country, you see. See, you, it promises tons of freedom. You can build your calendar the way that you want to build it. Can I get a witness? You can use your money and your toys and all that stuff the way that you want to when you want to do it because it's yours. It's mine. It's mine. Me, me, mine. It's all built around you. You see, this is really, really fun. It's what I call a Y-O-U, a utopia. And in the far country, you don't have to have a theology. You and I don't have to do that. We don't have to have a theology built around God and his word, like what Britt was talking so great today this morning about. You don't have to have that here. You can have what I call a meology, where you just simply build anything around yourself that you want. Right? And, y'all, it's fun. It sounds awesome. But in the end, here's what I want you to see, what I want us to see, what I, what I see, is that the far country and all that it represents was inside this old boy long before he ever stepped foot in the far country. It was in his DNA. And here's the thing. It's in ours too, isn't it? It is. It's what the Bible calls sin natures. What Paul says in, in Galatians 5 is the flesh, right? Does anybody, I, I'm going to step out of this, this for a second. Hold on, you ready? Remember how the other, the other morning I told you if you were here that there's some doctrines in man that, look, if I was God, I, I don't like, right? I'm learning to understand, but I don't like. I told you hell is one of them. I, I don't really like it, but it's real, okay? But I'm going to be honest with you. I wish sin nature in the flesh that the Bible talks about, this, this, this bent towards opposing God, like that I have, it's natural to me because we all came from Adam and Eve. The whole world is under this. It's, it's flowing through my bloodstream and through yours. I wish this were not true. I'm going to be real with you. I hate the things that I do sometimes. I hate the way that I think sometimes. I hate the idea of sin, if I'm just being honest with you. I hate it. I hate it. But here's the thing. If I'm even just thinking logically, not biblically, I can't deny it. You didn't have to teach me as a, as a child to, to lie. You didn't have to teach me how to be selfish and self-centered. You have to unteach those things. You don't teach adults how to do that either. Teach students. You don't teach yourselves how to, how to be about you. It's inside of us. And I hate that. I'm just being real. But the Bible says it, and I can't deny it. It's inside of every single one of us. And all of a sudden, this guy is just having, a par, having the life that he's always dreamed of and always wanted. Ain't nobody telling him what to do. And all of a sudden, the money ran out. Woo! The money ran out. Daddy's credit card went expired. The money ran out, okay? And when the money run out, the friends leave. You can ask, you can ask the people in the, in the NFL, the NBA, when the money run out, the friends leave. When you get the contract, you got friends you didn't even know you had, okay? But that's the world's kind of love. It says, I'll love you as long as you can give me something. And at the end, he ran out of money. He ran out of friends. 
He ran out of all of those things, and then there's a famine in the land. He can't get a food. He can't get no job. He has to hire himself out in order to try to maybe eat the slop that the pigs eat. He's in a land that values animals more than people. Sound familiar? <laughs> anyway, all right, so, I mean, he's in a place around pigs, and he can't have no bacon. Does that make sense? It's called hell on earth. You got what I'm saying? He's not in a good place, but he's lost, and he's alone. And he can't get anybody help. See, here's what I want us to see, what God wants us to see tonight, because he's our, he's, he's our father. Right? He wants us to see this. Because Proverbs 14 says that, you ready? There's a way that seems right to you and me to people, right? There just is. I think I know best. I'm going to throw that out there. I do. There's a way that seems right to us. Yes, see, she agrees too. There's a way that seems right. But in the end leads to death and destruction. Britain, Britain did this so well this morning that sometimes you got to understand, God's not just looking right now. He's right here right now. He sees the 20-year version of yourself too. He sees what, what, what choice today impacts 20 years down the road. God sees all of that, right? He understands that. But you understand that, that sin says right now, right now, give me, die. I want it now, 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 now. But here's the reality, and it's a sad reality. It's a hard one, isn't it? There's a way that seems right to us. But in the end, will lead to death and destruction. It just will. Because if I sow into my flesh, I will reap destruction, the Bible says. What the world boasts about and brags about, God calls an abomination. It's just true. But this old boy right here was sunk. If I could say it this way, his tractor was stuck. <laughs> He was stuck in his own choices and his own consequences in a place that promised him everything, but in the end left him with nothing, no peace, no hope, no life, away from God and away from his father. Sunk. I almost think he just sunk deep down, looking nasty. Oh, my goodness. I often wonder if he was suicidal. I don't know. He might have been. I'm just saying, but I, don't, I know he didn't have any hope. Have you ever thought about this question, though? What if Jesus, like, ended the story right here? Like, if you hear this story, and we're, like, right here, and he tells this story to all of us, and all of a sudden he goes, all right, let's pray, let's go home, see y'all later. He just leaves this dude stuck in the mud, his tractor stuck. He just leaves this dude's life stuck right here and gives him what he deserves. Can you imagine what the Pharisees, the religious teachers of the day would have done? That's what I think. I think they'd have done like this. When they heard, if Jesus had been like, I'm going to leave the story right here, this dude's getting what he deserves, I think every one of those, like, religious people would have been like, okay. Okay, Jesus, dang, fam, I thought you had some promise when you was a kid, but I didn't know. Like, here we go. Okay, you got a guy that, does, that breaks God's law, that does his own thing, that sins. They ain't, there's judgment. There's a famine in the land. That's judgment from God. He's getting what he deserves. No mercy. Jesus, 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 Jesus. But have you ever thought about what if your story and my story ended here and God rightly gives you and me what we deserve. Now, here's what's good. God, Jesus doesn't end the story here, and he doesn't end the story for us either right now. That's what's great news about that. Here comes the main character. You ready, Bennett? You ready, man? Here comes the main. Put a little flex on right there. I see you, man. Come on, pick Papa up. What? Hey, here comes the main character. Main character. It's so good. And it is a, you ready? It's, it is a, it's worth the world longs for. Here it is. Britain hit it this morning. So good. Dude, isn't Britain like a stud in the faith? I mean, I want to be like him with red hair and a beard when I grow up, okay? Not a beard, a beard. Come on, pay attention. Anyway, so here we go. The main character is a loving father. 
And in this story that Jesus tells represents God. A loving father is the main character. The two prodigal sons are not the main characters. We're not the main character either. A loving father who represents God is the main story. Okay, you ready? So here we go. Here's what happens. So enter the main character. You've got this guy. I hope this doesn't feed back here. If it does, forgive me. You've got this guy. I'm going to crunch down here. I think he's here. His own consequences, his own choices. This is his. He, he's done everything his father didn't want to do. He did with his thing his way. He did all this, had a blast to start with. Now he's left with nothing. He's sitting there. I mean, he's just curled up. It's just, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's his fault. It's his fault. He's made the choice. He's having to sit in it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ever been there before? He's made the choice. He's having to sit in it. And all of a sudden, verse 17 says this in Luke 15. You can read it a little bit later. All of a sudden it says this. It says he came to his senses. I think this is what this means. Maybe he's about to, to die. Maybe he's, he's, he's depressed. Maybe, I don't know. But he's sunk. He's nasty, dirty on the outside. He goes like this. He goes, wait a second. I got a father at home who loves me. He's got tons of stuff in there. He's got more than I could ever want. I got a father at home that loves me. Here's what he does. He goes, wait a second. He gets, he humbles himself. He gets up and watch what he does. He goes, and it says, the Bible says he got up and he turned and he went home to his father. See that? He got up where he was and he went home. To his father. Now, as he's going, he's rehearsing. Y'all may have been there. I've been there. He's rehearsing, going, All right, so, Father, I'm thinking, I'm saying, Dad, I'm sorry about this. I, I was wrong here. I messed up here. And he does this speech as he's going home, as he's walking on the road. Uh, I've messed up. I've done this. Oh, oh, I got a good one. Make me like your hired person. Oh, that'll be good. That'll really get him there. That'll make him think I want to work for him and that kind of stuff. That'll be really good. Can I just tell you this? God is not interested in your speeches and in mine. Some of us need to stop trying to rehearse when we, when we talk to God about certain things and we try to like, oh, maybe if I do this, maybe God will accept me. Or maybe if I do this, maybe he'll listen to me better. Maybe if I do this and make it sound like it's, you know, just stop your speeches and just get up and go to God. <laughs> Take responsibility for it and just go to God. <laughs> okay? That's, so all of, he's doing that. He gets there. When all of a sudden you got to remember the state of this son. you got to remember what he looks like. He looks like sin. He smells like sin. He dirty on the outside and the in. Okay, he is dirty all around. He smells like a, a, a how about this? He smells like a porta potty in Georgia in the summer. nasty. Ooh, that's nasty. But as he's walking home, here's what's interesting. The main character, the, the father who represents God, he sees him maybe a, like a long way off, a long distance off, and the daddy doesn't turn and run the other way. The daddy's not surprised. and like, oh, and the son, oh, hey, you been gone? Where you been? I didn't know you was gone, man. <laughs> How you doing? Good to see you. Uh, I'm going to get back to work. He doesn't do that. says the father who represents God sees him at a long distance. There's my track runner. You got where my track runner? The 200-yard dash right here. By the way, that's going down Sunday or Monday. We'll see what happens, okay? All right, you and I. Okay. Anyway, it's a, it's a 200-yard dash. He takes off at a dead sprint. He picks up his, his, like his cloak. He takes off, I mean, just dead sprint and takes the son just like he is, picks him up, and just 
gives, gives him a hug. I mean, his dirt all over the desk. Almost like the daddy and hugging him, like cleans him off or something. Just hugs him, gives him these smooches. Now, I need you to understand something. As an adult, or maybe this is a, a, a student, I don't, I don't know. He, he gives him, I mean, publicly runs, hugs him, just dirt nasty. He just smooches him and kisses him and weeps over his neck. It would make us a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you that God does not care what he looks like loving you and me in our sin. He takes him home and just, he gets him up like this and he just, oh, he just, he, 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 puts all, he puts a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, rub on his feet. He restores him. It's almost like he never left. Now, here's what's interesting. He runs, he kisses, he restores, and then he celebrates. He gathers all the people in the town, throws this big party, kills the fattened calf. Woo, eat more chicken. First time Chick-fil-A is mentioned in the Bible. Praise God. And it's there. He kills the fat calf and throws a celebration. Now, hold up. I know what you're thinking, because you guys are brilliant, brilliant people, by the way. Y'all are. Y'all are really smart, really smart. Here's what's interesting. According to Old Testament law, according to God's law in the Old Testament, Jesus is telling the story. According to God's law in the Old Testament, I need you to hear this. According to God's law in the Old Testament, that daddy is a Jew. That daddy should have gotten the town or the people around in his house together in his big circle, giving them some rocks, like give them a little, you know, some big old stones or whatever, and gather them around, a little pop fly, a little crow hop, and they should have all stoned him on the spot and killed him. Why? Because you got to get sin out of the camp or it will spread. And then God will have to act. By law, he ran his daddy's name through the mud. He, he offended and sinned against God. He made his dad look like a bad parent, like he didn't know what he was doing. This son blew all his daddy's property, really the older brother's property. He blew it. By law, God's law, he should have been stoned on the spot. But... All the Pharisees are like, oh, judgment's coming. Here it is. We know it's coming. We know what God wants. Smite them down. I'm not sure what smite means, but he'd probably be smoted out. Anyway, so, he, but instead, he does gather the people around. But instead of throwing a stone at his sinful son, he throws him a party and forgives him. You see, the daddy is the only one who has the right to get even with his son because he made him look bad. But instead he says, I give up my right to get even. Do you understand the member? Remember that our sin is only against God. He is the only one who has the right to get even to me because I have sinned and done my thing my way. He's the only one. But instead Jesus goes, Father, forgive Paul. Forgive him. Forgive him. I give up my right to get even. They don't know what they're doing. Y'all get it, don't you? Jesus just flipped the Jewish nation upside down. He flipped them. That's why the Pharisees are so angry with him. You should not give this man mercy. You should not show him grace. You should not welcome him home with open arms. You shouldn't do that according to what God says. But Jesus is going, yeah, I'm God, and I'm about to take care of that. And I'm changing what people think I'm like. Huge. Changed everything. Everything. And he forgives him. You know what the father never does? He never belittles the son, does he? He never brings up the sin. He never has an or else mentality like, hey, I tell you what, I'll let you come back in my house, boy. But if I even think that you even smelling like that old country, that far country, I even think you're thinking about it. I will put you in the ground myself. You thought you were stuck in the far country. I'll dig your own grave, son. You never hear the daddy even mention the sin. You only see a celebration that he's home. It's a celebration of the love of God, the love of the Father. You only see that. Now, if this 
father in this story did that to that son, how much more is God like that? First Peter 4 says that, that if, if love covers a multitude of sin, then the love of God in Christ covers them all. As far as east is to west, God says, I've removed your sin. I've loved you with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's why I think in the end of Luke chapter 24 it says, man, repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed to all the world. Then I'll come back because everybody needs to hear about this. I think it's possible. That's why the apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, and Romans 5, I think that's why he's on his knees, y'all. And I think he's begging to a people that were commended for their love. He's begging God, Lord, I need you to help them. I need you to help them not just, not just know. I need you to help them know the love of God, the love of Christ. I need you to help them, God, know the love of Christ that goes beyond knowledge, that you know about it. I need you to help them, God, so that they can know it personally, experientially, and be filled up with God. I need you to help them. I think it's possible that, that, that we don't understand and believe the love of Christ and it, because the love of Christ is the cure for selfish living, 2 Corinthians 5. You want to live not for yourself but for him who gave his life for you? Then let the love of Christ compel you. The love of Christ leads us to not live for ourselves but for Christ and somebody else. You see, that's the love that God has. And it changed the dynamic and changed the game. But there's another son and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I have related throughout my life to that first son. Some of you might too tonight. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm honest with you, today and in this, today where I am, I relate to this older son a whole lot. A whole lot. Because here it is, you ready? They're having a big party, they're celebrating, man, the father's love just poured out, it's so good. I mean, people, people are like, man, see, they're not even looking at the son anymore, they're going, how great is the father, this is awesome. They're celebrating, and all of a sudden, the older son comes in. I don't know if he walks like this, but I think he does in my mind. That little smug look on his face. Older son, older child mentality, older child props, whatever. <laughs> I'm just picking. Anyway, so he comes in in there. He's been working in the field, work, work, work all day long, done everything. He comes in, he hears the music. He brings a servant and says, hey, what's going on? Dude, the servant says, your, your brother was gone, and now he's home. Like, your father killed the fat calf for him. You don't do that but once in a lifetime. He, he's home. He goes, and all of a sudden, I can see the demeanor change. That The servant's like, this is awesome. And the, and the older brother goes, tell my dad to get his tail out of here right now. Do you know by Old Testament law, that brother should have been stoned just like that younger son because he disrespected his father? And you, the Bible says to honor your father and mother, honor your parents and the Lord. <laughs> should have been stoned on the spot. Just tell my dad to get his tail out here right now. His daddy goes, son, what's up? Can you, this is awesome. I mean, your bro's home, and this is so good. This is so good. Because I think that older brother thought that, that if the daddy was celebrating the, the younger son being back, that he would, he would be obsolete to his dad. That was wrong, too. It's like me. I thought this about my dad was going to happen, right? I, here's what I think happens. The older son goes, let me tell you something. I think he points in his face. Let me tell you something. To his dad, I have slaved for you. I have done everything that you have asked me to. You understand me? I haven't disobeyed a rule of yours. I've worked in the field for you. I've even made you some money. 
I've done everything you've asked me to. You ain't even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And you're going you're gonna to welcome this son of yours back when he's just squandered all the wealth, mine really, on prostitutes, nothing like that. You're going to do that? Hold on. I'm not yelling at you. Just hold on. Pay attention in your life what makes you angry when it comes to Is it possible that you can do good things and obey God and come to camp? Camp's great. All good things, all good things. Come to camp, go to church, read your Bible, pray. Oh, man, I sinned a little bit. Sorry about that. And go back. Is it possible that we can do all the right things for the sole purpose that it's almost like it puts God in our court? I'll scratch your back, God. I'll obey you if you'll just scratch mine where I want you to. I don't want too many bad things to happen. I want blessing and success, and I want the stuff when you get done, right? Is it possible that the only reason some of us are here is not just because of your parents. That's a great thing, not just because of that. It's because we are checking off that box because if since we come here, things can get a little bit better with God, and then we can go back to doing whatever we want to do. You see, here's what's interesting about this older brother. He points out the sin of somebody else. He points out the sin of his younger brother. He's critical. He's judgmental. He's prideful. He's self-righteous. He points out the sin while ignoring the sin in himself. See, here's the crazy thing. That younger brother wasn't just stuck. He's stuck too. He just doesn't know it. Right? Is it possible that some of us could be like that here tonight. I'm going to tell you right now, there are moments in my life that I have been very grumbling and complaining a lot. Ask my bride. She's had to call me on it many times over the years because what happens is I'm slipping back into this older brother. I think God owes me because I obey him and have done what he wanted me to do. You see what I'm saying? See, it is possible here. Why couldn't he just be happy for his brother? You ready? Because he's all about himself. He's full of love, but love for himself. Why couldn't he give his brother a hug when he came home and just be happy? Because I'm going to tell you this right now. This is my testimony. You ready? Part of my testimony. Because he, grew, he has grown up in his father's house. He has grown up in close proximity to his father. He's grown up in his father's house. But he did not know, love, or want his father. He only wanted his father's stuff. And I'm just going to tell you right now, isn't that us with God sometimes? And we can even do it with good things. Oh, I'll come here. I only want heaven. I just want to get in heaven. You know, I just want that heaven thing, you know. Oh, I just want my sins forgiven and covered. All good things, all good things. Oh, I just want to follow God so I can, you know, he can, he can bless me and my life will go better. All good things. But here's the thing. Do you want God? Because he grew up around it. He did all the right things. But in the end, he was in close proximity to his father, but he did not want, know, love, or desire his father. And I'm going to tell you right now, I grew up in church, and I have, I have gone way away like that younger boy many times, okay? But I'm going to be real honest with you. There are so many moments in my life, I grew up in church, praise God for that. Some of that, that's not your story, and that's okay, right? That's okay, because God's over all things. It's okay. I grew up in church. Britain's story was different than mine today. Powerful story. That's a lot of you in here. But mine, as I grew up in church, I grew up there. I was on the front stage. I was the one having to do the announcements for the youth. I was the one that had to be the good little boy sitting in the pew. I was the one that had to look the part all the time. But inside, just like Jesus says in Matthew 23, the outside of the cup looks so good. 
I mean, it looked good. It looked like, man, that guy's like, he's like the vice president of the FCA, man. This guy's oh, this guy's a stud. But inside, full of selfishness, lust, hatred, greed, Jesus would say, dead men's bones. See, I can fool all of you, but I cannot fool God. And some of us live like we can control God and like we can fool him. So for the longest time, I thought that if I could just do the right things, that my identity and my rightness with God would be okay. And I was wrong. Because my, who I am and my being right with God, my being saved, whatever, is simply based on the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? You go to the world right now and go, hey, man, I got a relationship with God. You do understand. Some of y'all in here might fall into that. You do know if you go to the world, why is the world so angry and shut you down when you say, man, you never, I got a relationship with God, man, I'm forgetting my sins. You know why they do that? Because the whole world is in the older brother state for the most part. A lot of them, half the world is in the older brother state. They think that they can work and do good things and try to good things and go to confession and do this kind of stuff, and they think that will get them right with God. The reason they're frustrated with you is because if you, you can have a full-on, blown relationship with God when you humble yourself, get up, and go to God. You can do that. That happens, not because of what you did, because of what Christ has done. The world hates that because they think you're prideful. What do you mean you, you got the rights on you? What, your works are better than mine? No. That's what that older brother thought. Wait a minute. Well, I've been doing the right things. He ain't been doing the right things. Why could he get accepted and not me? Because you're living as if you, you and your works can get accepted by God as if they're good enough. That's pride. And God opposes the proud, but he gives tons of grace to the humble. I'm going to tell you, both of my boys were stuck. And one of them never humbled himself and came into the Father's love. As far as we know, didn't end up too well. He missed it. He missed it. He's like the Pharisees. He is like a Pharisee. He's like me. He's like I was. I knew the Bible. I knew the church game. I knew the Indian Springs game. I knew all of that, but I missed Jesus, and the Bible points you to Christ. He missed his father, and some of us are missing God. We know about him, but we don't know him. And the greatest gift God could give is if he would open our eyes to where we could see that for ourselves, regardless of who we are. Doesn't matter if you've been in, in this camp for a hundred years. This is the first time you've been here. Doesn't matter if you've grown up in church or you've never even heard the word. Makes no difference. Jesus came to save us. You imagine though that street convo though, because this this is the only boy that humbled himself and went home, right? You imagine that street convo with his friends later on. He's like, "Hey man, how you doing? I ain't seen you all. Yeah, man, I've been in the far country. Oh, bro, you've been in the far country. I got you, man. I hear you, bro. The far country. I got you, man. I know what you've been doing out there. You a hero, baby. You a hero out here now. I don't know. I don't know about that, man. I'm not. I'm not real sure about that. I don't. I don't. I don't I, but all I know is that, man, I was stuck and I couldn't. I couldn't get out, man. I, I made some mistakes and I just realized, man, my father would would accept me back. But boy, did he ever! He surprised me. I mean, he came. He pulled his his like his cloak. He, he came and man, he he ran after me and hugged me and kissed me and like and, like restored me. It's, man, it's almost like I never left. It's almost like I never did anything wrong. And he and, and he like man, he he threw a big party for me and like it's like I'm for, forgiven and man, it just like changed everything for me. And the guy's like, bro, like. Man, I, I, 
I, I want a father like that. That sounds amazing. My dad ain't like that. Like, you think that maybe he could be like a, a, like a father to me, like adopt me or something like that? He goes, well, I mean, I, I think so. He, he sure wanted my brother to come in. I mean, goodness gracious. He, I, I think he said, that, he said that there's a place for you. If, if it wasn't true, he would have told you and that he wants his house full. I mean, he said he'd give his spirit to, of adoption in you. You could cry out, Father, Abba, Father. Like, you could do that too. You could call him Father too. Remember my tractor story? Well, told you I had a decision to make. So I humbled myself, and I got up, and I made the long walk to my dad. I just sat down, just got home from work in his dress, in his, you know, in his work clothes. And I go in there, and I say, hey, Dad, how you doing? He says, hey, son, how are you? I said, you know your tractor? It's gone. And uh, he said, okay. And he came out there, and everything I was afraid of, how he was going to react, it didn't happen. That was all a lie. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. And so he got out there, and he looks at it. And here's what's interesting. He didn't say, Paul, you're a moron. You always do this. He very well could have. <laughs> it was just tracker. I did it. I did my thing my way. He said, but he didn't say a word. He didn't even open his mouth. It was almost like a lamb or a sheep or something led to a slaughter. I mean, he didn't even open his mouth. And, and here's the thing. I said, Dad, you don't want to go in there. I mean, that thing is way down underground. I mean, it's bubbling. I said, there's briars and stickers. I said, you don't, you don't want to go in there. That's my thing my way. That's my mess. I should I take care of it. He didn't even listen to that. He got on that tractor. And, y'all, he didn't get on the tractor going, he didn't do that. I think he enjoyed it. Not because he was trying to shame me. I think he literally enjoyed do, taking care of the things that I messed up. He got on that tractor, and here's the thing. For the longest time, all I could see before he got down there was I could just see my mess. I could see what I had done wrong. I could only see that I had done my thing my way, and I couldn't fix it. I hate when I can't fix something. But in that moment, I no longer looked at my mess. I looked at my dad. I didn't see the work that I had messed up and done. I began to see his work in a whole new way. And, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how in the world he did it, but he got that tractor unstuck. I'm telling you to this day, I do not know how my dad got that tractor unstuck. But here's what I realized. I realized that it's not my job to figure out how he did it. It is just simply my job to accept that and receive that and let it change me day by day. Because here's the thing. Those, those thorns that didn't, didn't even cut me shredded him. And he's got his own cuminous, so his blood's like, Psh! So he got off that tractor and got it unstuck. He got off that, and there was just blood just dripping all, I mean, just covering him. He's dripping, and he holds his, he holds like a, a blood, he holds his hands open like this, and, and I go in, and I give him a big old hug. He gives me a big old hug right there with the tractor in the background, and all of my mud and dirt got on my dad, and all of his blood got on me. And I realized more than I probably ever have in my entire life at that moment. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for me. The thorns, the stickers that were meant for me, he wore as a crown. And he hopped up on that cross, not to get my tractor unstuck, but to get my life unstuck. That's why Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people everywhere to, to me. I think it's very interesting that the last earthly image we have of Jesus before he dies, the last earthly image we have of Jesus is a bloodied hug, is, is arms fixed, willing and wide open in the form of a bloodied hug, welcoming all. 
to come home to him. To where all of our sin can get on Jesus. And all of his blood can cover and wash away our sin. Now, if my daddy did that, that tractor to me, <laughs> how much more is that true about God? And all it takes is to humble yourself and get up and go to your father. Well, Paul, I don't, I don't, I don't know the way. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know the way to him. Jesus says, "I am the way. Come home." Come home. Come to me. So here's the thing. I could ask the question. I could say, look, if the tractor is your life, is your tractor stuck? But I'm going to ask you right now, is your life stuck? For some of you, it's like that younger son. Maybe you relate to him tonight. Maybe you realize, like, man, I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of this. I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. And it's like this open thing. I'm doing what I want to do. You're bragging on what you're doing and, uh, on, with other people and doing this kind of stuff. It's just it's, you, that far country looks a whole lot more out in the open. Or maybe there's some of you in here like me too. That you've grown up around this. You've grown up around God. But let's just be honest, you don't really know him. You just want the stuff. You want the benefits of, of, of being around God. You're doing it because your parents want you here. You're doing it because of whatever. And this God thing is really just a game, and we don't really know him for ourselves. But I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest day of my life is when I realize Jesus goes, come to me, follow me. And I dropped a baseball scholarship, and I dropped all that game that I was playing, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Didn't even know, okay? That was 23 years ago. And it has been the hardest 23 years in many areas of my life. But I promise you one thing. I can tell you right now that my sins are forgiven and I'm right with God. And my name is written in his book, not because of Paul Epperson. I lived that life for so long. It's got to be about, I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it. Because he has done it. And this is the way he looks right now to you and to me. Come home. Are you tired? You feel stuck? Jesus already got out and stuck at the cross. Just go to him. Let's pray.